toying with him now. Hey, Caitlin. Chris, it's our U.S. Open edition of the main draw. It is. Uh, the greatest tournament in the world. The most populously attended sporting event in America. Oh, throwing shade on the U.S. Open. Why is it not the best? Because it doesn't have the history of the, the European tournaments. But I'll give it, I'll give it a fighting chance uh, as you know, the most, one of the most spirited. Is, I don't dislike the U.S. Open. I love it. Is, I'm, I'm pumped. Is night tennis the best, though? I, I think like a good night tennis match at the U.S. Open is the best, is the best professional tennis thing moment. Yeah, I've left Flushing Meadows at like 3 a.m. on many occasions. Uh-huh. Right. It's awesome. I can't really do it anymore, but, you know, I'm happy to have done it. Have you been watching a ton? I've been watching a ton, yeah. More than I had in the past. It's been good. It's been, well, look, so the quarterfinal matches on Wednesday were atrocious. Like, Gasquet was never really in the match. Like, he was sweating a lot, and I was thinking, why are you sweating so much? At one point, they were just started to be too mean to Richard Gasquet for my taste. <laughs> right, yeah. I thought they went overboard. Totally. It was too mean. You know, yeah. like, like, you know, he's, he's made, he doesn't make it this far into tournaments usually. Like, you know, he's so what? He's not making a good run against Roger Federer. Right. That's, not, that's n- neither would I. Totally. I mean, he only has half an overgrip. Like, he's doing <laughs> pretty well. Yeah. Uh, no, and I mean, this is like not long. This is like mere months after it was like the triumph of Gasquet when he beat Stan at Wimbledon. And you felt like this this was like someone overcoming their nerves and, and yeah. faults. Yeah, not- yeah, and he actually like managed to replicate you know, by having another deep run in a major. That's, that has never happened for Richard Gasquet. Right, right. That this... said, the tennis was fucking boring. <laughs> it sure was. The major interesting thing, I think, for the men's quarters was, well, first, the Chilich Sangha match was pretty good, um, I thought. Good like, you know, match. F- five sets, that's always entertaining. But at the end of the match, Sangha coming to the net to shake hands with Chilich and how, like, half-hearted it was, the announcers were saying, like, I wonder what that's about. And it's like, isn't it pretty obvious what it's about? Or isn't it fair to speculate that it's about Marin Cilic being a cheater and taking yeah. steroids and then having the most cliched excuse in the world of, like, I didn't know it was, I did not know I was putting it into my body afterwards? Right. It's hard to imagine that they didn't know. So I have to believe that they, like, somehow couldn't say. Right. That's a big. Which is worse. That's way worse, especially for McEnroe, who I think at least for a while was fancied and fancied himself as like a dropper of truth bombs and like someone who couldn't couldn't be controlled. But I mean, I was thinking about like maybe because he denied it or said there was this other reason they didn't want to dive back in. I want us to come and do an episode where we have like a total like we need a truth bomb thrower to come on and be like, okay, no, really, who's who's juicing? <laughs> a, f- a friend of mine who's a, a dude who plays 5-5, five five, uh-huh. who's a pro named Whoa. Marvin, apparently says he knows definitively. And it's a lot of them. And I feel like for whatever it is, tennis is, because maybe it hasn't always had the history of like doping problems, right? where it hasn't been as prominent, it's never really fully dealt with it. And it seems like, the guys in the tour must all know. I mean, and I say guys specifically. It seems like it's the dudes, and it seems right. like it's pretty obvious who they are. Right. You know, obviously those those uh, Chilich got busted, but maybe not thoroughly disciplined or thoroughly penalized. Obviously, Nadal has had these rumors haunting him for a long time. Right. 
a lot of people saying that that's why he's like prematurely bald. Although if right. you know Dave Shaftel uh, is to believe, maybe that's you know maybe he's not, or like at least that's why his body is seemingly falling apart. Right. God, I hope that's not true. But Me I too. mean, I mean with with Chilich, it's like out there, it's a thing, and it's just sorry to hammer this home, but like it's just weird. Like even even if you don't want to dig into like whether he did steroids or not, which he did almost certainly, um, it's like you have to say like that's a reason why Sangha might not be enthusiastic to shake his hand. Why they wouldn't have mentioned it is baffling. Yeah, I just didn't. Like it, just, it seems like it's it's the public record. Right, right, and it's other just... things that they didn't say, which I don't blame them for not saying, but I feel like I can say, which is like this guy has like a black hole of charisma. <laughs> he's got a terrible clothing look right he seems like a jerk you know it's like i don't know if it's like libelous but i just don't like him and i want to like say as many like quasi mean things to him that sound like playing around insults right and i have to point to last year's final which we all were terribly disappointed by between Nikkei nishikori and Marin chilich when it was supposed to be roger federer you know winning Right. Or at least Kenny Shikori winning his first or Roger Federer winning, like, you know, the first in a long, long time. Right. So if it's this guy in the finals again, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I probably just won't watch it. I'll just be so angry. <laughs> well, right. Right. I'll like I'll live text the whole match to you. <laughs> I, I, I think the the other thing is, like, it made me think, like, Sangha, who seems like a pretty upbeat jelly guy he gets negative with himself playing tennis but i, I bet he's not yeah he's not a dick he's not like a bad sport he's so he's like not a dick is a good one like he, he wouldn't have been a dick for no reason he wouldn't have been a dick and i also thought like yeah like how infuriating it would be to be on tour and play someone who was on steroids and see that person advance by you in tournaments and get better seatings and yeah. like yeah, it must and be infuriating. And outlast you in a five set match, where where you got dinged up at the end with your knee. Like, I just think, yeah, of course, it's well within his rights to do it. And it's some some kind of I don't know bro code that he doesn't talk to the media about it. I don't get it. I don't know, but I I always enjoy a use of the term bro code. <laughs> this is the most fired up I've heard you in a while. However, yeah. let's keep moving. What else? Yes. Please. So, uh, so watching the doubt, this is something that we t- talked about before where like for years, whenever he played Djokovic, it looked like, especially his forehand was just always landing inside the service line. And it was like Djokovic would just kind of step up and hammer a for a backhand down the line. And we were like, that's weird. What is it like? What's wrong with him against Djokovic and watching the, the F- Fanini is that, how do you pronounce it? Yeah, go for it. Fanini match. Like he just couldn't, I heard him like all of his forehands were just like that was the first one where it was in the doll and he didn't seem like apparently injured he just seemed like his game had deteriorated in this really like concrete not one-off kind of way it's hard it to makes watch me sad. yeah he, he, they're like those ground strokes are like wet noodles a little bit yeah i have a compelling and shocking theory okay i think like the madden curse accompanying oh. dudes on uh, the cover of the video game. Yeah. I'm ready to introduce a conspiracy that there might be a hill figure curse. Whoa. We have to talk about how terrible those ads are. Ugh, they are Where terrible. he's like slowly revealing the top of his penis, maybe. Right, right. But then does like a sassy wink. I know. Well, it's the sassy wink. Like, I would love to see how many takes they <laughs> needed to get him to do that because it he, seems so against his character. He sadly looks baffled to be in these commercials yeah 
But it Ugh. made me think all of the other characters affiliated with Tommy Hilfiger, most notably Puff Daddy during the one time he got arrested and nearly jailed uh-huh. for a nightclub shooting. Which is probably the first time in history anybody has equated Puff Daddy with Rafael Nadal, but I'm doing it. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, and all of the like big campaigns where they have all like these like future generations of actors uh, and stars, and then they never become anything. Sure. I'm putting it out there. I think Tommy Hilfiger is to blame for this particular shitty Grand Slam appearance. Got it. Did uh, you see the tweet that Louisa Thomas had over uh, during the the matches? Earlier in the week, she had that, like, uh, speaking of premium brands, that, that, like, each year the horses on the polo shirts of the ball boys gets larger and larger. <laughs> she was like, next year they're just going to ride onto the court on horses. <laughs> <laughs> they're so upsettingly ugly. It's yeah. not even um, – that brings me to something that I want to yes. talk about, which was a the subject of a brilliant piece. I'll link to it in the in the podcast. Um Nick Kyrgios and Jeannie Bouchard playing mixed doubles together at the US Open. It was by Brian Phillips, who's a phenomenal writer. Sure. And it was about how, and I don't know if you watched any of this, because Nick Kyrgios was quickly booted from the main draw of the tournament, and he lost in the first round. Um, and Eugenie Bouchard, somewhat tragically, uh, slipped and fell in the locker room and got a concussion and yeah. had to withdraw from the entire tournament, even though she was having a pretty good tournament. Yep. Um, Brian Phillips over at Grantland basically writes that their brief, wonderful mixed doubles pairing, um, which was kind of cynically referred to uh, by a lot of people as like an opportunity for Nike branding, uh-huh. um, actually was like glorious and really fun and interesting. And they were actually nice to each other. And it actually made that like their villainy counteracted each other. Wow. And they ended up being really lovable. Huh. And I'm I'm prepared to say, and anybody who listens to this podcast knows my extreme distaste for her in particular, although he's no prince, as we've increasingly seen lately. <laughs> Certainly not. Yeah. Uh, Brian Phillips makes a pretty, pretty compelling case. Like, you never would have guessed, especially because they're kind of dicks and really um, entitled on the tennis court, that they actually would have been, like, pretty nice and funny. And, like, they were joking with the crowds and they were having a good time. He was, like, polite and nice to her. She didn't look like the snooty, entitled... <laughs> Montreal rich girl that she is. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Sure. He looked like he had been around women before and didn't hate them. Right. You know, it was just like kind of uh, heartwarming. Wow. I'm going to send it to you. It's a good read. Would you say that you disliked her the most of anyone on tour? I mean, I have a long standing distaste of Martina Hingis, for example. Okay. I mean, well, I, but she's barely on the tour. I mean, like, no, 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 no. Main draw singles. Yeah. For now, nowadays, she's definitely top three. Like, Sarah Ronnie also really gets under my skin, but in a totally different way. Right. With Bouchard, right. it's the whole thing. Yeah. Like, Ronnie, like, just, she just shouldn't be there. It's like her game, her demeanor, her soul, her essence, everything about her you hate. Who else do we need to talk about? Should we talk about Federer? I guess we could. I mean,. Uh, what is there to say about Federer? His outfit's crazy, and Nick from Boston suggests that he, at this point, is winking at us with the crazy. <laughs> He's like, right, this is like... Like Pharrell. It's like, he knows the hat is that big. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. I don't actually think Roger has great taste. No, is I mean, the gold, like the like cream that's and gold blazer, said. too the much. Wimbledon 2007 blazer was when I thought, maybe he doesn't, maybe there's no wink. <laughs> Maybe there's no ink, yeah. But basically, he looks like a like a cherry cream swirl popsicle. I appreciate that Federer is like leading the charge on non traditional colors for men like purple and pink and all of that. But uh, his current outfit is just pink, pink notwithstanding, just like not great. It's kind of boring. 
uh, although I did appreciate when Feliciano Lopez had on just unnecessary pink shoes. Like the rest of his outfit had no pink in it and he just had bright pink shoes. I think also when you're as beautiful as Feliciano Lopez is, nobody's looking at his shoes. Right. You know what I mean? Oh. hey <laughs> I don't even mean that. Um, Claire, my wife, said Fetter has made the matchy-matchy. He's, she's taken matchy-matchy too far and it's gross. Huh. He yeah. should have had an off-color shoe. That's, that's I think, her point. Right. I think it would have been better. Right. Um, Okay, most excitingly, we have a particularly tragic Never Number One tonight. Well, is it, Caitlin, really? Our Never Number One is Yana Novotna, uh, uh, Czech player known for one and only one thing, which is choking away a Wimbledon, tw- uh, a Wimbledon title to Steffi Graf uh, and then getting hugged by the Duchess of Kent while she wept openly wept like open mouth ugly tears right um which is really shitty and i'll tell you why because in reality she ended up later on winning wimbledon yes but Uh, nobody remembers that part right just remember the weeping exactly and part of the reason they don't remember is she beat natalie taziot you're not remotely saying that right i'm not but i'm gonna leave it in um that's another reason why people don't remember it i think yeah whereas she was too points away from beating Steffi Graf right. at Wimbledon when yeah. the weeping occurred. But you know what? Yana Nirvana, in addition to ha- ma- making good on her life's greatest tragedy, even though none of us remember it, right. um, was a really, really phenomenally interesting tennis player to watch because she was one of the last true servant volleyers. Right, the Edberg. She's like the female equivalent of Edberg, right? She's his analog, more or less. And there's, exactly. And there's never really been anybody... Um, who on the women's tour anyway has fully embraced that as much as she did. We've had some all quarters, which is great and what I love, but like uh-huh. a true servant volleyer right. hasn't really appeared since, you know, the mid nineties, which right. was even late then. And I really love that. And it's, it's one of my favorite styles of playing. And I think she's really, really like I will, she will forever sit in my heart in a good way for, for playing that style of tennis. Cause it's so ballsy and it's so aggressive and you have to be so creative to do it. Um, Right, so really and such a good game. athlete. Yeah, you have to be a exactly. really good athlete to pull that off. And, I mean, she got to number two in the world in 1998. Um, and she also won 12. She she was 12 and 11 in Grand Slam doubles finals. And she was sort of a good late career kind of player. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of our number one, number ones, um, you know, obviously Goran we talked about in the last episode. Like, uh-huh. it's really, really redeeming to see an athlete really succeed well late in their career. Right. And I think, um, you know, regardless of the sport. And I think, like, part of that, a lot of that is basically, like, they understand how hard it is and how fleeting it is. Yeah. And especially if you taste success early, you know, just how elusive it can be. And when you go back and see a YouTube video of her winning that Wimbledon, uh-huh. she's just so relieved. Yeah, right. That's At that point, that's what it is. It's like, at least in my mind, I know that I got this done. What's the main thing with... Nevada. What died with her? Yeah, she was the last woman to credibly wear a white pleated skirt. That starched 1990s material that we all suffered through if we are ladies. Right. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's a good look at all, but it like instantly dates, like when you it like dates her too much almost like when you watch her play i'm thinking like it's 1978 <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, like no. you know what day it is. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. I 
also think the headband is a good look with the pleated skirt. So I'm I'm going to give her a lot of credit for being uh, ahead of her time on that secondary one. Yeah. Because now all the ladies wear it. So right. Yana Novotna, we salute you. You were a never number one who made it all the way to number two, which is pretty damn impressive. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to The Main Draw. Check us out online at maindraw.tumblr.com. Thank you, Chris. Until next time. Thanks, Caitlin. Bye. Bye.